body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm Ryan Rodosevich alongside Jacob Stinson and Cameron McLaren here on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a little bit of a special episode. It's kind of special for us here in studio. Not really too much for you guys, but hey, it's, it's cool for us, so we'll point it out. We're wearing some NHL jerseys. The NHL season is back in six calendar days. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we feeling today? How is the energy? How are the vibes? Vibes are always great here. Um... I'm just I'm doing pretty good right now, uh, rocking the Jordan Bennington Winter Classic jersey for the Blues that are um, they're playing the Wild this this coming what New Year's Day I guess, um, yeah I'm just just excited to be here kind of tired but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, the vibes were all good until Jacob showed up in that god awful jersey <laughs> with that god awful player. He's just mad that Bennington has a ring. Yeah, uh, well Bennington's a crybaby, but we could talk about that a different day. I'm having fun rocking the neon highlighters, skyline green, Dallas Stars jerseys, the blackout jerseys. I'm having a great time with rocking Dennis Gurionov in that wicked screaming one-timer on the back. So it's a great day. And yours truly, me right here talking, Ryan Rodosovich, hey, it's me, what's going on? I may have pulled a little bit of a sin out of my pocket here. I'm actually wearing a Detroit Red Wings Dylan Larkin jersey, so... I love Larkin as a player. I like the wings, and it's the um, uh, shoot what what stadium was stadium series? Stadium series. Thank you. I should know. I have the jersey. It just blanked on me. Yeah, you got but the it's patch the, uh... right there on your on your shoulder. So, <laughs> what was I looking at my shoulder? But yeah, it's a Dylan Larkin Stadium Series jersey from when they went to uh, Colorado Rocky Stadium and played the Colorado Avalanche. So we all got some cool jerseys. NHL's being coming back in six days, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about some MSU hockey, ladies and gentlemen. We had some action over the weekend. Michigan State went to Plymouth to face the USN TDP in uh, an exhibition game against the uh, under-18ers. MSU actually did fall 3-0 in that game, but it's an exhibition. It's the first time any of the MSU skaters have actually played a full game in over six months. So it's you're going to get the rust off. It's not going to be the game you want it to be, but just look at it as like, hey, you got an exhibition game in, you know, get the rust off, get going against Air Force this weekend. So the shots were... 26 to 24 in favor of MSU, but the uh, US NTDP goalie Dylan Silverstein held them all off, got a shutout. Obviously, Michigan State losing three to zero. Uh, for the goalies, DeRitter took the first half of the game, so he took the first period and a half. He actually let in three goals on 12 shots. Two of the goals actually came within 25 seconds of each other, so that's not really a good look for him in his season debut. And then Charleston came in in the second half, so he had. 10 minutes in the second period and the third, and he saved all 12 shots. So, unfortunately, we were not able to watch the game, but we saw the recaps and saw what went down. So, we don't have too much in-depth stuff to talk about, but we can look at the stats and figure something out for you guys to give you guys some intel. Um, on top of that, something that we talked a lot about on the podcast last year was the special teams for Michigan State. Although Michigan State went 0-3 and on the power play, Cole said after the game that special teams was a bright spot, obviously talking about penalty kill and power play. So when uh, Air Force comes to town this weekend, hopefully we can see some of that improved special teams. We shall see. What do you guys, what do you guys want to recap about this uh, exhibition game? Well, I think one thing to note definitely is that whole um, situation with, with the goalies. 
how yeah they each played a half both of the exact same amount of shots charleston came in and let in nothing compared to Jordan who let in three so i think that does kind of play a little bit more into um a little of like the goalie competition based off first how last year ended with charleston getting the playoff nod um and then just this game start the year i'm really curious to see how it's going to go in the future uh maybe we actually do have a little bit more of a goalie competition than what we thought at first so I mean, to counter that point, whenever you do take a look at the breakdown in the shots, the Ritter faced 12 shots, but he faced 11 in the first period. And then it kind of does suck when you let in two goals in 25 seconds. Now, I, I, I would have to take a look at the replays because there's got to be a defensive miscue if that's going to happen if you let in two goals in 25 seconds. And then Charleston comes in, makes 12 saves, but he only faced six shots in the third period which was a bright spot for the Spartans last year was, you know, limiting those shot opportunities, especially in within within the game, making the game into thirds, um, basically taking it on a period-by-period period basis because, as we saw, there were a lot of games last year where they were letting in at least 12 to 15 shots in one single period, and then they were able to, like, kind of keep that down, especially with, you know, shot-blocking attempt or shot-blockers on the fence, but I mean, when you take a look at that, the ferocity of shots that the Ritter was basically taking on in that first period, and then you letting letting in two goals in 25 seconds to start off the second, there's there's something behind that scoreline that, you know, maybe the Ritter maybe, you know, was not happy after giving up the second one, then the third one comes in, but there's there's more than meets the eye than just the looking at three goals on 12 shots. Oh yeah, you you gotta obviously since we weren't able to see the game, you can't just look at the stat line and go like, "Yep, this is what happened." Thank you, Cam, for pointing that out. I was kind of like, just like, "Yeah, that happened." Three goals off twelve shots. You never really know what does happen. But anything else on this first exhibition game, gentlemen? Not particular. I think Cam might have something, but yeah, um, Cruz Lucius, who uh, were like, there were there were a couple of people that we highlighted last week that were you know pretty high commits one going to north like i think it was a north dakota commit one was a umich commit the kid that scored two goals against michigan state is a minnesota commit i just thought i would point that out where oh no uh, <laughs> it keeps on coming it's it's gonna keep coming where i mean there's just these these kids and especially the development team and um, we, we'll probably talk about it later in the pod but they they beat Notre dame immediately after they beat him four to three in compton so at, at their own at Notre Dame's barn. So this is a scary team. So good for them. Props to them shutting out a Big Ten opponent and then immediately beating another Big Ten opponent like the following day. So good for them. I think it'll be a good time to even bring up that prop bet we had. Um, we talked Ooh. about a little bit before the pod. Um, Would be a good time. Based off of what we've seen from first 3 0 win over MSU and then the 4 3 we said um, over Notre Dame, if the NTDP. U18s were to play a full season in the Big Ten, where would they finish? I would say, and I, I hate doing this too early, I hate writing out MSU, but I would say it would be USNTDP, uh, it would be 6th, then Michigan State 7th, then Ohio State 8th. I think that, sure, they, they beat Notre Dame, but like, something it, it's a full season you know these are two games where we're jumping on the gun we're going like oh my god look at this u18 team they beat two big 10 teams but they got to play a whole season there's going to be injuries they're outman well not outmanned they're outmatched in weight and height obviously they got you know some people that are four years older than them so that's an interesting question i mean 
they could go up maybe to fifth or fourth. I don't see them bursting the bubble of Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota at all, but it'll be kind of cool to see what happens with all that skill on that team. Yeah, but if you think about it, they're just literally a younger Wisconsin. That's which, exactly is, which is why, yes. I, which That's is what I, was why I would Ooh. I would put them fourth or fifth. That's why I was okay. going to say because, the exact same thing. Okay, if we if we take a look at it, like hypothetically speaking, Minnesota they maybe win one out of four games against Minnesota, just because two of those games are being played on the big rink, which is good for faster teams. But I don't think they would like playing on the Olympic size sheet. And then you know they'll steal a game because they are the faster team. But Minnesota's a bully whenever it comes to physicality. Number um, so, I would pick. You know, I would still pick Michigan to finish first in that this hypothetical scenario, just because buzzsaw of a team, powerhouse of a team. Number two, Minnesota. Number three, Wisconsin. That would probably be like the four funnest games to watch, just because they're like, especially if they had last year with if they still had Cole Caulfield, which you know he's he's off being a superstar with the Montreal Canadiens right now. But it's like that would have been a very fun. Um, matchup to watch but like still Wisconsin still a very 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 good team the sleeper in that in like this scenario would be Penn State how would they fare against Penn State yes. because Penn State is looking to bounce back after last season because not gonna lie Penn State was piss poor when it came to certain games last year their goaltending also let them like down a lot of times no offense to Oscar audio but there were some games where he absolutely stood on his head and then he acted like Swiss cheese so if this is a bounce back year for Penn State so in this climate of this big 10 i would go michigan minnesota wisconsin top three i would go probably a one to two point difference between the development team and penn state i'd go penn state four development team five and then i would go probably Notre dame michigan state and ohio state in a crapshoot at the bottom mm. like any any of those teams could finish five through uh six through eight i think Notre dame most likely would finish um sixth just because they have a way to pull out games especially at compton so that's a long-winded answer to say (laughs) middle middle of the pack now if we get into the play like if you get into the postseason that would be that would be there would be some ways for them to make it pretty much to like semifinals if you think about it see i would say the opposite i'm in full agreement about the whole regular season thing i think exactly the same thing they're not going to be able to physically compete with the big dogs of wisconsin and michigan and minnesota's of the world but they would kind of sit in that middle tier i would say of uh with penn state notre dame more so than anything um but yeah i think with it's the case in with pretty much any team is the big physical teams that seem to be the one that always do well um in the playoffs come any level yeah big physical teams with elite goaltending are the teams that always tend to go far in playoffs here in playoffs? I would say, um, and I mean that's kind of just not the style that they would necessarily play because they're not big; they're all basically high schoolers. Um, and yeah, I mean they if they're letting up three, I'm mean, granted this is a very small sample size here, but if they're letting up three goals against Notre Dame. Um, then I just I don't really see them really going too far in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if like, I'm kind of thinking about this where like, okay, if the breakdown was one and two get first round buys. Oh, you're going, you're going you have, deeper. You have, you're you going have, all you the, the three, way. eight, the four, seven and the five, six. If they're mm-hmm. in the fifth spot, they would play Notre Dame. I see them taking that. I see them taking it in a three game series. And then, you know, if that were the case, then they would play. I'm trying to think. 
this one's actually actually no they wouldn't be able to do that they would actually have to play Penn State because it's a that would be five teams. So never scratch that. It'd be one eight two seven three six four five. They'd play Penn State. They'd win that. They would win that series in three games. I think. Yeah, we're jumping. We're just two and then, games. Then they would have to play. <laughs> and a, now we're saying, boom, they're a Big Ten. They'd team. have to play a Michigan team. They're which, not winning that. if they're not, I mean, in like, I was gonna say that's my issue with them more than anything is the moment they run into any of those top three teams that we keep talking about, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, they're done. They're yeah. they're gonna get smacked. Oh yeah. I mean, there is like they will weird weird they will ways push that them can happen. Around. Those they teams will. will bully them and push them around and take their lunch money, and then they will send. Well, it's them. the same thing with Ohio State, but the problem is, is that Ohio State concedes. They they let in goals. They right. don't necessarily have the offensive firepower. Like sometimes, you know, the best defense is a good offense. You and the NTDP. the U18s have a very good offense. That is their defense. They could just outscore you, right. which is the same thing that Wisconsin did to pretty much everybody last year. Same yeah. thing that yeah, what, same, Michigan that, did. Yeah, it's the same style so. of like you know, it's basically it's a track meet. It, we have NHL Network on in the background. They showed Nathan McKinnon. That's so it's, it's a good it's essentially com- that. I'd say it's a good comparison to the Colorado Avalanche of you know, we don't necessarily have like elite defense by any means, but. Um, we have this very high-powered offense. It's going to be a track meet. We are fast. We're going to push the pace, try and keep up. Um, and I just don't see that working against any of those top three teams. Those other three teams yeah. will push them around. We'll take their lunch money. We'll send them back to fifth period Not crying. the lunch money. No. Yeah. Not the lunch not, money. Not the fifth period sadness after only after getting the what, the cold ham and cheese sandwich that they had to give you for lunch when you ran out of money. Ooh. Yes. In a milk. Okay, where are we right now? Wait, what? How, <laughs> this did, been, how did we get This has been the most much, rant. Oh, yeah. USNTP getting beat up. Yes, okay. Okay, enough of USNTP. We got to bring it back uh, to Michigan State here. Michigan State released a uh, a roster for their lines. I I still got to collect myself here. Okay, yeah. Michigan State released some lines. Um, I'm not too sure if these are going to stick like last year. Michigan State and Danton Cole literally hit the scramble button on the roster like a hundred times. So these are probably not going to stick, but we got lines for now. So we're going to talk about lines for now. Um, I'll just list off a bunch of players. I don't know if you guys will appreciate it, but I'll list the lines. You could pitch them in your head or write them down or do something. I don't know. But the first line for this uh, exhibition game was Eric Menendorf, the, uh, the new addition to the squad. He's a junior. He was on the left wing. Josh Nodler was centering, and then Griffin Lochran was on the right side. So that's an all-junior line. I I really like that line. I want that line to stay, but we'll see about it. The second line, Mitchell Lewandowski coming back for his fifth season on the left side. Christoph Papp centering, and then the new addition, Jeremy Davidson on the right side. The third line, we're looking at Jagger Joshua on the left, Nicholas Mueller in the middle, and A.J. Hodges on the right. And then the fourth line was a little bit broken because... Uh, MSU dressed three goalies, but the fourth line was just Adam Goodsir and Mitchell Matson. So uh, I guess I'll I'll just I'll list the defense now. Um, the first line on defense was Nash House, matched with Dennis Cezana. Ooh, I like I like that. Uh, Christian Krieger and Aiden Gallagher were on the second line. Cole Krieger and Powell Connor rounding out the third, with the extra skater being Cal Dybix. Is that is that how you pronounce his name? Dybiz. 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 There we go. I'm sorry, Cal. My bad, brother. But uh, Michigan State also did dress three goalies, so that's where the extra skater kind of vacated the roster to the goalie position. Drew DeRitter, Pierce Charlson, and John Moore were all dressed for the game. So that was the roster. The first look at an MSU roster we have for this 21-22 season. 
gentlemen, I got a plethora of questions to ask. Just answer whatever, talk about whatever. But what lines stand out the most? What do you want to see changed? What do you want to see stick? If you could make your own perfect line, what would it be? Just go ahead and say whatever the heck you want to say about these lines. I mean, in all honesty, I don't really have too much of a thought about it at the moment because there, there hasn't really been any true way to evaluate how these lines are all going to play because they have never gotten any true playing time together because <laughs> the lines never stay the same. Like, that that's just my issue with it mostly. It's just like, I, I want to see these lines do well, but my thing is how long will they be together before they get shuffled up again? If, um, if MSU drops like a two-game weekend series, or whatever against Air Force or any other team, Miami, Ohio, any other teams they play in the future. How quickly will Cole uh, scramble up these lines? Um, so it looks good on paper. I don't have any complaints about the actual players on the roster, um, but it is just my concern of will they have some time to develop and that chemistry that's so important with those lines. Yeah, that's the thing. After this Air Force series that's coming up this weekend, these lines could be completely different. And then what we just talked about is useless. It's You never know with Cole, especially when the team isn't performing. So we'll see. But Cam, what you got on these lines here? All right. like Just kind of like looking at it, Nodler is going to stay at center. He's not going to move to left wing. They're going to try not to move him to left wing, left wing kind of like what they did last year. So here, here's where like you start critiquing each line. I like I'm looking at the released line charts from Saturday, and I'm looking at the scratches specifically. Oh, I forgot to look at those. Gucciardi, Tucker, oh, wow. Haskins, Berger, or Berger, and uh, Tanner Kelly. Oh, my God. This lineup is going to look completely different. Well, here's weekend. the deal. Berger is your Brown transfer, and Kyle Haskins played, I'm pretty sure, almost, I'm pretty sure he played every game last year. And he would if if Michigan State didn't go eleven seven and three, which eleven forwards seven defensemen with the extra skater being Dibus, and then you know the third goalie with John Moore. I'm pretty sure you reunite the Goodser Matson Haskins line, just because that was a focal point and like one of the main like point uh lines of success last year, especially beginning of the year, just because they they were just really good, but um. To me, this is kind of Denton Cole assessing exactly what he has and looking at what worked last year and what didn't work. A.J. Hodges was a first-line winger last year. He moves down to the third line, but it's not really the third line because any one of these lines can jump out first shift. It all depends on the game plan and who they want. A lot of the times you see NHL teams, they'll throw out their second or their third line. They'll throw out the grunt line to win a face-off or to make sure that you can actually, you know, get some sustained offensive pressure at the beginning of the game because you're most likely not going to score on the first shot. So I like the second line with Christoph Papp. I like giving the young kid off um, some confidence, especially back in his native center role after he was moved in and out of the lineup and shifted onto the wings last year because playing center has a lot of different responsibilities. Um, Josh Nyler said that when we talked, when I was able to talk with him last week, but at being a forward, you guys are goalies, but being a forward, I, I playing beer league, I played center a couple of times. I didn't really like it because it's a lot more pressure on the defense. You have to have eyes on the back of your head because you're in the middle of the ice and a lot of things happen in the middle of the ice. So, and also breakouts are a lot different. So, um, I like the lines. That first line of Middendorf, Nodler, and Lochran is not going to change. I don't think he wants it to change. Lewandowski, Papp, and Davidson, 
Davidson, depending on how he works, um, we'll, we could talk to Cole about, you know, what he's seen from him, especially to put him on a line with Christoph Papp, very, who's a very good face-off man, and Mitchell Lewandowski. That's ba- that basically Mitchell Lewandowski is the dad of that line. And then you have Jagger Joshua, Nicholas Mueller, and A.J. Hodges. That is going to be the line to watch out for this year because Jagger Joshua scored a lot of goals from dirty areas last year. He was picking up the trash. He was getting into those niche areas right by the goal, right by the goal and right by the post. There were so many tippins that he could have had last year, which is when he was also playing with Combs. So Combs would jump on and Combs would be in the slot. Same thing with Joshua. He'd park the bus right there in front of the goalie. Good to go. Um, and then defense, it's a lot of the same thing. Putting the Krieger brothers with two younger players, Powell Connor and Aiden Gallagher, um, a lot of what we saw last year. And then Nash, Neenhaus, and Dennis Asana. So all in all, it this is going to be interesting to see how Cole decides to go once we start the season. Does he go? Does he dress 13 forwards and only six defensemen? Or or what, what will he do with the lineup? So... It'll be interesting to see, but uh, depending on if one of the two guys, either Berger or uh, Kyle Haskins, comes back into the lineup. So to be on that fourth line is going to be interesting. Yeah, I would really like for these first two lines to stay. But with what you said, Cam, about all the scratches, that kind of concerns me because there's a lot of new faces. You don't know where Cole wants to plug them in. Obviously, it would seem like third or fourth line, but who knows at this point? Well, most of them are all freshmen, too. Yeah. So it's a it's a lot of like what happened last year. Dibus did not play a lot of games. He was a scratch a lot of the times last year. Um, Matson was out a little bit because of a, um, a foot injury, I believe, near the end of the season. So it's just going to be trying to figure out who exactly he has because there's a lot of, you know, talent that's not dressing for games that proved themselves in the USHL and especially Berger or Berger playing at Brown. So. Yeah, so for me, I would like to really see the first line of Eric Mendendorf, Josh Nodler, and Griffin Lochran. I would very much like to see that stay. Obviously, I have not seen them actually skate on the ice. I just have very high hopes for them because uh, Griffin Lochran is kind of like a Charlie Combs plug-and-play. Seems like the same player, so if he can produce like Combs, that would be great. And then Mendendorf, I've said his name probably like 10 times in the last two podcasts. I think this guy could pop off, but we'll see about that. But yeah, I really like that first line. The second line of Mitchell Lewandowski, Christoph Papp, and Davidson, the new guy, I I don't know much about Davidson. Obviously, I have high hopes too, but we'll see if he stays. The interesting thing is last year, Mitchell Lewandowski and Nikolaus Mueller were on a line a lot, and that isn't the case this year. Mueller got bumped down to the third, and Christoph Papp is centering Lewandowski. So I'm wondering, hey, maybe did Papp take a step forward? Did he prove that he can center somebody with the talent that Lewandowski has? I don't know. It, it, a lot of questions will be answered about this lineup this weekend, and a lot more questions will come out of this weekend. So we'll, we'll, have, we'll have more stuff to talk about. But um, jumping into the preview, Michigan State is actually playing some non-exhibition hockey. Woo! Yay! I'm the only one that reacted. But I... <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> so uh, Air Force is coming to town. Uh, game one is Friday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Game two is the following day, Saturday, October 9th at 7 p.m. In the last season, Air Force did go 3-10-1 in the Atlantic Conference, so not looking too good there. And they have played one exhibition game as well. Theirs was against Colorado College, where we did they did come out with the win 2-1. to 
Uh, Alex Schilling, their goalie, went 29 out of 30 saves, so decent showing from him. And uh, Air Force only had 16 shots, but they were able to get two passed and win 2-1 against Colorado College in a exhibition game. So, gentlemen, what do you see out of this team, and uh, what are we looking like as a matchup here? I see, actually, it's, it looks like, a just from all the research I've done, um, albeit not too much, but, um, <laughs> no, but from everything I've seen, on paper at least, it looks like a fairly um, even matchup, I'm going to say, um, in terms of play styles and everything. The, from every, from all the numbers I can things I can see, it's a very defensively minded team, um, and so they're gonna and just like pretty much any defensively minded team, they're gonna throw their bodies in the in in the in the shot lanes out there, try and block some shots. They'll play physical. They'll kind of take the Danton Cole philosophy of win every game one nothing, um, and so I think honestly, just it depends. It'll be a good test for MSU to see if they can get their offense going, put some points on the board. And I mean, another thing that you have to factor is this is the first home game with fans since, I believe, February of 2020 when Michigan State lost to what? Ohio State? Yeah. Uh, you're, sure. uh, you're asking me? You I know what? Yes. Actually, yes, because I, I think we were all there. Wait, was it the the 1-0 game? I think so. Was that the last game? Oh, my gosh. I mean, we'd have to take a look at the record books. But it's similar to I, it. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was the Ohio State wow. series. So that's going to play a huge factor because last year – we were all in that stadium, or it. We were all at Mun. It was it, no. the the atmosphere plays a gigantic role, especially in college hockey. You like take a look at Pagula. Pagula is a very hard place to play at when those Penn State kids are going to town on opposing teams. Netminders like Michigan State student section, the Munsters, they think that they're really good at getting to opposing like goalies' heads and a couple of opposing players. Penn State is a different kind of monster. So that's going to play in huge, especially in the series. But this is kind of weird because the all-time series between these two teams, Michigan State has yet to lose. They're 6-0. and Oh, wow. They played six games? Yeah. The ma- majority of them. Say, I looked I'm, at them up. All but, all but one of them came within the, in the early 1970s. Yeah. They're, oh. they're, but and the there thing was is, one in 2011. What history? Yeah. There was one in 2011, which was a preseason game, kind of much like this is. Um, but last 10 years, Air Force is two, four and one against the big 10. That's straight from their game notes. But this is a very good matchup, especially to see what this Michigan state team can do because the Atlantic, the Atlantic or the American hockey conference, what is it? Atlantic. The Atlantic hockey conference is a very decent conference, especially last year. American international did very well. I was really hoping they would get into the big dance. I think they did not because they ended up losing in the tournament um but it's still a very good conference but this is going to be a very good matchup just to see exactly what Danton Cole has because there's a lot of unanswered questions with this team especially after losing three nothing to the development program yeah and Jacob you said something that I want to highlight on Air Force looks like off their exhibition game and last season their defensive team obviously only getting 16 shots but winning the game if this is a defensive versus defensive team matchup. I, although you may look at this and go like defense versus defense, bro, I'm just going to fall asleep. No, I'm actually very interested because if these are two good defensive teams, I want to see whose offense can actually outweigh their defense. If Michigan State can come into this game and actually perform offensively more than Air Force, that'll that'll give me a lot of hope going into the season because 
I mean, obviously Michigan State's offense once is anything to really talk about last season, but if they could go against a defensive-minded team and produce a lot of offense, that would be a really, really promising thing to see. Well, it was because, I mean, everybody last year, including us, was waiting for the coming out party of the of the offense. Yeah. That's that's exactly what we were waiting for because there were so many one-goal, two-goal games. There was only four times I think they scored three or more goals. And we we were just waiting for that. So, like, maybe this is the type of game where, all right, you get one. The next goal, the next goal always matters. I, I worked with a soccer team over the summer. It's all about who gets the next goal. It's always about looking at it as a zero-zero game until until that clock hits zero. Then it would be a zero-zero-zero-zero-zero game. Okay, there's no need for that. <laughs> but I, what, what I'm trying what I'm trying to it's say confusing. is is that if Michigan State, you know, you get the first one, then you get the second one, then you start to roll. Because there, was, there wasn't a lot of games last year where the offense could show its firepower and actually win. Because there's a difference between scoring five goals and losing in a 6-5 game. Or four. I think Michigan State had a game like that back in 2019. I think it was like a 6-4 loss. Um, but the thing, like, all, all, all of that aside... You, you need to be able to win a game, but you want to be able to win a game convincingly. And that's something that Michigan State did not have a lot of last year. So this, especially with a defensive-minded defensive, defensive matchup between these two teams, that should be something to, ver- to really look forward at. So uh, actually, this wasn't even planned at all, but I'm just going to throw a question at you guys. How many goals do you think Michigan State gets over these two games? Sorry to throw it out. I know. I just combined. Yes, combined in these two games. I'm I'm thinking in the three to four range. Three Honestly. to four, Cam. What are you thinking? I'm not expecting many goals at all. I think if they score four goals, they win both games. I would agree. Yeah, I I'm thinking same four to five. I want to see six out of the two games, but I'm thinking four to five. So the win proper. I mean, as everybody would look at, the win probability goes up the more goals they're going to score. If they score six goals, there's no way. I'm pretty sure I will say this. There's no way that they don't win both games. So you're thinking like three goals, one game, three goals, another, or four and two. Three and three, something. four and two, even even five and one. I mean, I could see them that pulling. Could, yeah. I could see them pulling out a one nothing game. It all depends on the leadership of the back six and seven, if you include the goaltender, or a if he decides to dress an extra defensive skater. <laughs> so. Or nine if he does. If he does. Okay. The, the, okay. <laughs> wait, but wait. Just, Can we get to just, ten? No. Okay. No. <laughs> but basically, it's if they can score four goals, you're in very good territory. Oh Because yeah. there was not many times they scored four goals in a series last year, which is saying a lot. I'm trying to think of the last time they did. And the problem was is they only let in two goals or one goal a couple of games or maybe even three goals. I mean, heck, I'd even take a tie, a 3-3 tie. That would be Win the next game 3-2. to two. There we go. So, honestly, if you score six, you should win both games. If you score four, you're eking. You're eking mm-hmm. on it. You're going to need more. But, I mean, two, two, one games, that, that isn't – that's a possibility with this team. So that brings me to another question that I just randomly oh, thought of. Here we go. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But... okay, actually, <laughs> I'm going. I'm, we'll just change. We'll keep on our original topic at first. Um, when, as a guess, when was the last time that MSU scored four goals in a weekend series? It four goals in a weekend series? Yeah, like two games. Like, it it had two to, games. Series. It had to be last year. And, and, yeah, it, it was last. Any year. two it games was last series. year? Um, um, and it was. 
the last time I'm thinking say- of was early November when they beat uh, when they beat Notre Dame four to three, and I think they lost the next game two to one. Better question actually would be how many <laughs> said, how many times how many Just times have, how many times have they done it at all last season? What it scored two goals in a two game series or scored four goals in a two game series? Two or three times? Two times. Uh, it looks like. Four, if I count this Four, right. okay. Uh, early on, a lot of them came early on in the season. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So the latest, the latest one was February fourteenth and fifteenth against Arizona State. They scored two goals in each game. Oh, but I'm not even counting yeah. those games. ASU, that's like you know non-conference at that point. And would then, the only conference one before that be late November against Notre Dame? Uh, early January uh, includes a series against Penn State with an 0-1 loss and a 5-1 win. Five, yep. <gasps> Oh that, yeah, that final game was fun. And then the series against Notre, uh, the series in late December against Notre Dame before that one-one tie, four-three win. Yeah, okay. yeah, four goals in a weekend. We shouldn't even be talking about that. That shouldn't even be something that you know, no. like, will it happen? No, MSU they're gonna score four goals this weekend. They should. They um, should. They didn't do it very often last year. So, so <laughs> hey, that brings us to the next segment. Blake wins if Jacob sits and Michigan State will win. Uh, wait, will win, uh, win the win. whole series. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll win these they'll games. They'll win whichever game if they can uh, score. Yeah. I'd say score. Um, well, score obviously, but I would say put up t- between twenty-five to thirty shots on net, at least twenty-five. I'll say, um, just because um, one of the stats we didn't mention in that game against Colorado College that Air Force played, whatever um, they blocked, they had twenty-three block shots. In that Ooh, game, in addition that? to the twenty-nine of thirty saves made by their goaltender Alex Schilling, so that lots of defense is going to be there, uh, lots of defense to be had by the Falcons. So I think that's going to be the key thing to watch out for right there. So if they can land twenty-five or so on net, probably closer to thirty, but if they can just land a lot, just get pucks on the net and just crash the net, try and get some dirty rebounds and stuff. You know, the, the typical Jagger Joshua type goals. The Jagger Joshua special. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Then I think they'll be in a great position to win, especially uh, since they're solid enough on the back end between Charleston and Duretter that they can keep them out, out of, they can keep the puck out of their own net. Cameron, Michigan State wins it. I mean, Jacob must have saw it through the reflection in the uh, double pane <laughs> glass over here, but I've got Michigan State wins if they shoot or if they have 30 or more shots on goal. Specifically 30, just because that's where the a lot of the statistics lay. But Michigan State, 3-4 and four last year when having 30 or more shots. A couple of those high-shot games were actually losses to Ohio State, if I remember correctly. Those were pretty good games to watch, pretty close games. And then in 2019 and 2020, they were 8-4. and four. And last year, Air Force was 0-3 when allowing 30 or more shots. And I'll do you one better. It all depends on where these shots are coming from. If the defense can actually get pucks on net, you have those Jagger Joshua, you have those Charlie Combe type goals, which is something that, especially if you take a look at this lineup, you have Cole and Christian Krieger. They've scored a few goals. They have a couple of assists to their names, but they just need to shoot the puck more. And they're with guys who are younger who are most likely not going to want to shoot. But then you take a look at that Dennis Asana and Nash Neenhouse line. Oh, yeah. Take a look at that. If they don't have at least a combined seven shots, then something's wrong because both of them find themselves in weird areas and they can just put the puck on net. And it doesn't have to be high-quality shots. Just get the rebound. You two are both goalies. Rebound control is something that a lot of goalies have to get through experience with playing games. 
and not a lot of people played a lot of games last year. And you saw that Schilling was worked a lot last week, especially 23 block shots. You're at, that's over 50 shots in the game. He's still moving. He's still tracking the puck. You got to make these goaltenders work. So for Michigan State, if you get 30 or more shots actually on goal, there's no way that they don't at least bury a couple past them. So it's funny. When I was doing this and doing a little prep, I had the same exact thing. But I have to rebuttal. Colorado College got 30 shots. They lost the game. I'm just putting that out there. Like, right there's the recipe that Air Force shut them down off of 30 shots. You think that it's going to be different with this Michigan State team? I think so, just because of the quality of players. I mean, I th- you can expect to have better players at Michigan State versus Colorado College. No offense to Colorado College. But um, I think even then, with the, with the quality of players that they have and even the play styles of the people like Jagger Joshua and company like that, especially if they've put, uh, if like the talent they've tried investing into kind of rebuilding this forward core as is, um, helps at all then they should be able to at least, you know, put a good rebound on net uh, with some of the defensemen like the Sasanas and the Houses of the world too. Um, you know, they should be able to at least, you know, clean up some of the garbage that will inevitably pop up if they continue to get shots on the net. And a lot of that is just play style of the people that are on the ice. If you take a look at it, last year Michigan State at times was just way too cute. That top line of Combs, Hodges, and I'm pretty sure either Nodler was on that line too. Even the lines that Lewandowski was on. They were way too cute with the puck. There was too many passes, too many passes that, you know, could be made if you're nursing a 2-1 lead, but not necessarily when you're trying to claw yourself back into a game. So this, they just need to have the offensive, the offensive mentality to put pucks actually on net and get some scoring chances, get put guys to the net, two or three guys. You have a bunch of guys that can skate. You have a bunch of young guys, some more lower, um, lower gravity. Um, what's the word there? Lower center of gravity people. There we go. So get them into those areas in front of the net. Let Jagger Joshua have a couple of tip ins. It's just get it. You're with the play style. There's there's a counter argument to the shots on goal that you would let the goalie come into the game. You let the goalie build confidence through every shot that he takes, but there's a difference between a goalie being confident and a goalie being lucky, especially if he's facing shots. If he's not tracking it well and his rebound control is off and you can capitalize on that, especially early in the games, that's something that they take a look at, especially going into every period. Bad pucks or bad bouncing pucks, bad rebound control is something that Michigan State is going to have to try to find. They're going to have to find these weaknesses in goalies. Mud the game up. Mud it up. Exactly. Uh, For me... Michigan State will win if they block shots, something that they did last year to a T. It was, I mean, one of their bright spots on the team, blocking shots. But if they block shots and just shut down any offense Air Force would have. Uh, we were talking about how Air Force doesn't seem to have much offense. Obviously, just one exhibition game, so who knows? Can't take too much from that. But if MSU wants to win this game, I think just not letting that offense get going right off the bat would be a really, really good recipe to uh, shut that Air Force team down. Um, Jacob Stinson, the other, the opposition, Air Force, how are they going to win this series? Honestly, you could make the exact same argument saying if they get like 30 shots on goal or whatever, um, then they'll win too. I think it's the same thing. 
very similar play styles, very similar um, outcomes for teams. If they can just, you know, like the issue was, um, or not an issue, but you know how it how it go how it went against Colorado College, it's just they're also very sound defensively. They can just keep getting pucks on net. Um, I they'll be able to at some point sneak one pass to Ritter or Charleston or whoever, maybe even Morrissey's dice. Um, but I think it's the same thing. Yeah, just always got to keep funneling pucks to the net. Um, something's gonna happen eventually. You just keep pounding away. But if they can get at least three goals, I would say, then they're gonna then they, then they'll win. What you got, Cam? Well, I have if Air Force is gonna win if they're leading after two, because the stats show it. Last year, Air Force was zero and eight. Whenever they did not lead after two, they were two and one when they were. Mind you, they only had three wins on the season. <laughs> Michigan State last year was zero and thirteen when trailing after two periods last year. Ooh. They were a comeback team in 2019 and 20. They were not last year. And they got a lot of shots in those third periods, but they just could not figure it out. So keeping it simple, if Air Force leads after two periods, they will win this game. And for me, I'm going to go keep it simple as well. If Air Force scores on the power play, if they capitalize on special teams, get that one power play goal, I feel like that will propel them to a victory or two. But that is it for the blank wins. If, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing interesting going on yet, but it'll be after this, the schedule. So I'm just going to quickly go over the schedule. So if you're looking to come over to East Lansing, over to the Mun Ice Arena, here are some games you guys could watch. Right now, we're in the non-conference slate of the uh, schedule for Michigan State. Right now, the weekend slate that obviously we've been talking about against Air Force will take place Friday and Saturday, October 8th and 9th, respectively. The next weekend after that, Miami of Ohio comes to town. That is October 15th and October 16th. Both games at 7 p.m. That will be at Mon Ice Arena. So that's some early action. The next set of games is the following week after that, October 22nd and 23rd at UMass Lowell. And then finally, Michigan State opens up Big Ten play at Ohio State, October 29th and 30th. So that's that's a little bit of a schedule preview. We'll obviously highlight and talk about those games when they come. But next is the segment that everybody's been waiting for. If you skipped ahead of this podcast to this moment, you know what? I don't even blame you because, like, who wouldn't want to? I mean, I don't really think anybody's doing that, but whatever. Uh, we have the Pickums, ladies and gentlemen. They are back for another season, of course. An update in the standings. We all started with zero last week. Jacob Stinson is currently leading after predicting the Penn State sweep over Long Island and getting the USND TDP victory right. So Jacob's got three. Cameron predicted the MSU or the Penn State sweep rather. So he's at two and I laid a goose egg at zero. So, uh, you know, that's it is what it is. We'll get some points back. It's the first week. I'm not worried at all. But the first series we got that we're going to highlight here is number four, Minnesota against Mercyhurst. A lot of uh, out of conference matchups. But Jacob, who you picking here? I think we can all kind of just we can all we don't have to spend this time this much time on it. It's Minnesota They're playing Mercyhurst. No disrespect to Mercyhurst, but a little disrespect to Mercyhurst. <laughs> I'm like, that's a little bit disrespectful to Mercyhurst. It's Minnesota. Minnesota sweep. Easy. Minnesota sweep. Move on. Uh, Mercyhurst is in Mercyhurst's name, and they might have to pull out the mercy rule here because give me Minnesota in the sweep. The next series, Bentley versus Ohio State. Who you got, Stincy? Um, This would be a little bit different because uh, it's Ohio State um, playing here, but, I mean, I kind of view them in the same boat generally speaking um as another 
team down the road, or that's, that we'll talk about later in Canisius, uh, just, I don't know, small schools, not, uh, I've, I haven't seen anything about them that really makes me want to pick them uh, to beat Ohio State at all. So I'm going to take the Ohio State University this week. Give me the Buckeyes in a sweep. No mic drop. <laughs> uh, I don't know much about Bentley except for their car company. So give me Ohio State in the sweep. Next up on the list here, we've got number 14, Wisconsin themselves versus Michigan Tech. A very interesting matchup. So, Jacob, who you got over here? This is going to be probably the closest one that I think that we'll talk about. Uh, between that and uh, MSU Air Force, I think going to be the two closest we'll talk about in these pick so far. Um, but I'm going to go with the Wisco sweep. Um, it's just Wisconsin, they lost Cole Coffey last year, but they're still a very good team. Um, between Holloway, Pelton Bice, a bunch of those other guys, whatever, that were on the roster last year. Um, Rowe is going to be back in net for them again this year, I think, overall. They're, they're still ranked number 14 team in the country, and I expect that to go up uh, as the season progresses. So give me a Wisconsin sweep. I... This is where we we usually have about one game where everybody or is at least one person that picks differently. Um, I'm going with a split. This is going to be a very like I had a long time trying to figure this out. Michigan Tech, they're going to have um a couple of games here against the they're going to play. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame and the U18. So probably next week or even two weeks from now, we'll have a better understanding of this team, but. They're in the CCHA this year, which is making a comeback after its long hiatus since, I believe, 2007. But it's this is going to be a very interesting conference to watch just because of the teams that are in it. Teams such as Lake Superior State, uh, St. Thomas, Ferris State, Minnesota State, Bemidji State, Bowling Green, who just got the brakes blown off of them by Michigan, uh, Michigan Tech, and Northern Michigan. But to me... Uh, after last year, if you think too much, it's going to go the other way, as Jacob said. And if you don't trust in a sweep, then the split's always an option. So I got a split here. I think Wisconsin takes game one, but I think Michigan Tech, the Hus- the uh, the Huskies strike back. I'm agreeing with you, Cam. I'm also taking the split. This is the first uh, first matchup for both teams. So luckily, Wisconsin didn't get any action before this. Neither did Tech. So it's going to be the first look for both teams. Anything could happen. Sure, Wisconsin's a good a good team, but Michigan Tech went um I wrote it down here, 17, 12, and one. So hey, that's pretty good. It's the first game for both teams. Anything could happen. I think it's too hard to pick the Wisconsin sweep, even though they are good and filled with talent. So, like I said, I'm going with the split. Next up on the list, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions versus Canisius. Canisius, yeah, there we go. Which does does anybody know where Canisius is from? It's a northeast team. Northeast. We'll leave yeah. it at that. Well, I mean, Kanish. I look at it right now. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I've learned in the past uh, from my start versus my finish last season in the Pickums, uh, if you if you think about it too much, you're doing something wrong, and that's how you lose. Um, well, the moment I started thinking about them, uh, putting more thought in my answers than like five seconds, uh, is the moment my prediction started falling off a cliff. Um, so give me the Penn State sweep. I don't even know where Canisius is. I don't know. I know nothing about them. Uh, Penn State's still a good team. Um, yeah, and I have no idea. I know nothing about Canisius. So Penn State sweep. Canisius is located in Buffalo. 
Okay. Uh, I just so, found that. And... Okay, so double down on the Penn State sweep. Um, there is no <laughs> hockey team from Buffalo that ever makes me want to pick them to win anything ever. Move on. Okay. Well, that is true. Uh, last year they did go eleven and six, so oh, good God. for them. But if I look real quick, I forgot the conference that they're in. The oh, they're in the Atlantic. Yeah, they're in the hmm. same conference as. Oh, uh, there we go. Well, either either way, it's um, Penn State is just a very good team. Uh, they beat LIU three one, and I believe five. Yeah, five to two. They never yep. trailed in any of those games. Um. And they put up 46 shots in game two, only allowing 19. That is, oh, I feel bad. Um, but yeah, Penn State in a sweep. Uh, I just don't trust Canisius that much. I know Penn State. I know what they're capable of, um, especially this year. It's a bounce back year for them. Look for them. Uh, revenge tour going through Happy Valley. Penn State at home, Pagula Ice Arena in Hockey Valley. Give me the sweep for the Nittany Lions. Next up on the list, we got number three, University of Michigan, taking on Lake Superior State. Who you got, Jacob? This is They can make this one quick, too. Michigan sweep. It's Michigan. No disrespect to Lake State. Lake State's actually a pretty good team. Still a fairly good program. Um, but come on. It's Michigan. Number three team in the country. Sweep them. Move on. This is where you actually kind of have to look at exactly kind of what happened last year. I mean, I understand that. But Lake State went 19-7 and seven last year, 19-7-3 last year. And they beat Omaha in game one in overtime, lost to them both uh, 3 nothing oh. at Omaha. And that's a very good hockey program. That's that interesting. That is a very, very good hockey program. It is, but we're also still uh, – we're, No, we're... I still understand it's Michigan. Yeah. I I'm, 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 I'm not Michigan. taking anything. I'm just saying that this is, like, this is another one of those series where it's like, on paper, it's Michigan, but I would not be surprised – if they make it close, I this is not going to be the seven. This is not going to be the seven to one victory that Michigan had over Bowling Green last weekend. I would Gosh, agree. I this I is going to be honest. a much tougher competition. I would it's agree still that. not going to be enough for them to lose. It's at still, least one of those games. It's going to be Michigan. I was going to say with Michigan, still, it's you know, which one of our top ten draft picks do you want to score on you now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, does Portillo, you oh. know, live up to his to the hype? So you know, this would be a good game for him to gain some confidence, especially coming with Big Ten play coming near the end of the month. So give me Michigan in a sweep, but this is going to be a very interesting series to watch. Yeah, I think you're right, Cam. It's a little, it's a sneaker. It, on paper, just, just looking at it, it looks like, oh yeah, Michigan. But I think one of these games is probably going to be a blowout, then the other game is going to be really, really close, just for some odd reason. But that doesn't stray me away from picking the Wolverines. I'm taking Michigan in the sweep. And ladies and gentlemen, we have one more series to pick. The Almighty matchup of the weekend. All the eyes of the nation are going to be on this one. Michigan State Spartans take on the Air Force Air Force Falcons. 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 There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. What you got? I got a split. Um, I just I don't feel confident taking MSU in a sweep just yet. Um, between a this being a very similar play style team like we've talked about for the past hour, um, or just in general like MSU has not really given me a, a reason yet to make me want to pick them in a sweep. Um. So, I can they sweep? Definitely, I think it's a possibility. But just for my gut feeling reason, I feel like both teams are just kind of gonna get. It's gonna be like a two-one game each series on each other, maybe three-two. Yeah, I mean, I can't trust my gut enough to pick Michigan State nor Air Force in a sweep. So I'm going with a split, just because it's I. There's too many unanswered questions for this Michigan State team. Um, hopefully we will get some answers or at least some 
understanding of this team after this week, now that the games actually mean something towards overall record. I mean, conference record matters a lot, especially whenever it comes to tournament seeding. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that don't win their conference championship and still get selected to go to the Frozen Four. So, non-conference matters. Who do you, who you beat up on when the when people don't think it matters actually matters. So, for that reason, too many unanswered questions. I've got a split. Should be very interesting to watch Friday, Saturday. I'll have to tone down my my fandom a little bit, but yeah, should be pretty pretty interesting series. I have heard what you guys have said. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know about Michigan State. We don't know about Air Force and a lot of uncertainty in general. But I throw that out the window. Michigan State, they're mad. They got beat up by 18-year-olds. They are mad. They're going to play on an edge, and they're going to pick up this sweep. Give me Michigan State for this sweep and hopefully some two points. I kind of need some points, even though it is week two, but I still want some. But uh, that rounds up our Big Ten or not our Big Ten, our behind the mass pickums for this week. It still is a Big Ten pickem. I mean, every team is in the Big Ten. That's true. Yeah, that so there we true. go. There we go. I'm speaking facts. Yeah, still I see over what here. you did there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Mask. This weekend is the Air Force matchup on Friday and Saturday. I will be covering the matchup on Friday with Zach Slowick. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to be live tweeting or writing, but. My Twitter is at Ryan Radosevich. I'll spell it out because that's not easy to uh, to hear and put on to Twitter. So it's R-Y-A-N-R-A-D-O-S-E-V-I-C-H. And then Zach Slowick will be at S-L-O-W-I-K-77. So look for us covering that game. And then Cam and I will be covering Saturday. Cam, go ahead and plug your Twitter real quick. Yeah, you guys can find me at, at Cam underscore McLaren. That is at capital C lowercase a-m underscore capital m-c-c-l-a-r-r-e-n and then jacob you're not covering a game yet this weekend but go oh. ahead and throw the twitter out there for the people sure for why not my twitter it's jacob f stinson f uh for foster is my middle name so just jacob f stinson there you go so there we go we will be covering the games no broadcast sadly uh Unfortunately, football is a little bit more important at the school, but actually, fortunately, because they're actually doing good. They're Talk doing coming. really well. Talk R- coming, gentlemen. Five and zero. There's so much energy around this team. But, ladies and gentlemen, from us in the studio, Ryan Radosevich, Jacob Stinson, and Cameron McLaren, thank you so much for listening to episode two, season ten of Behind the Mask. We'll be back to recap the Air Force game and talk about some more hockey. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.